Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 514, air date February 1st, 2020. Live on YouTube. We're transmitting to YouTube. That looks good. We should be live on, let's see, on Periscope. Let me see how we're doing here. Let's see here. We're live on Periscope. Okay. Facebook's live. All right. Thank you, everyone. Just give us a couple of seconds. We're doing a multiple broadcast here. There's a lot of little things moving here. And I can view the broadcast here. And I'm going to... All right. All right, everyone. Thank you very much. Jen, Jen, are we all set on all medium? Facebook, YouTube, etc. Yes. Okay, great. Great. All right, Jen. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Uh, This is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. It's a pleasure to be here. Today, we have a lot to talk about. Um, We're going to talk about um, how are movements actually built and, more importantly, the core philosophy that is a division. There are people who think you could unify irreconcilable differences. Over the last uh, month, you know, uh, since the New Jersey victory, where the thoughts that I put out were, or what I articulated were extremely uh, important in that victory, which is we have to build a bottoms-up movement, not top-down. So what I want to talk to you today uh, is to educate you, both historically, about how things are actually won. There's a guiding philosophy here that's a philosophical difference that's been taking place um, in these movements for a very, very long time. And I'm not talking about the movement for uh, vaccine choice, but large movements that go back for a long time in human history about uh, the fundamentals of what does it mean to be a free human being. And that's what we're going to talk about today. One philosophy uh, states that, uh, uh, that the state which means a few set of quote-unquote enlightened people know better than you and me. Another philosophy states that you and I actually are capable of making our own decisions. So let me repeat that. The fundamental view is that there's an elite set of people, the chosen ones, that know better than you or me, and that you and I frankly don't know anything and we can't make common sense decisions for our lives. And this is the fundamental difference. And if we can understand this fundamental difference, we will see that there is in fact a division. And it is not a division that we should try to ignore, sweep under the rug, but my goal as an engineer, as a scientist, and someone who seeks truth, freedom, and health is to bring that out. Now, there have been some people, and we brought this out on Facebook, uh, uh, particularly on Facebook, a lot of people who actually have been mindless in many ways, brainwashed, into believing the top-down model, be it following um, uh, people in this movement, who frankly have not contributed a lot because they actually believe fundamentally in the top-down model. They believe that they know better. They believe their nonprofit knows better. They believe government knows better than you or I. And this is the liberal Democrat philosophy. And there is a fundamental philosophical difference. So when I brought this out by exposing the Kennedy Hollywood celebrity model, a number of you have had problems with that because you have frankly not taken the time to really think about this and this is why you've been misled and this is why particularly this movement for vaccine choice has had 
zero gains until I came in and not in any egotistical way, but actually shared a very different point of view because of my background, which I want to share today. So we're going to talk about a couple of things. We're going to talk about that top-down model. We're going to talk about an actual solution I put forward, a draft bill, and everyone else is able to comment on it. We're fully public with it on how we really change this discourse. And we're also going to talk about Cytosol because a number of extremely uh, unfortunate people who've committed libel and slander, and we will get your names. And it's, it, by the way, I believe in free speech, but truthful free speech. But if anyone slanders uh, anything that I've done, you know, be expected that there will re be repercussions for it because it's wrong to libel and slander someone, for example, saying that I'm a wife beater. These were false allegations, false claims, which were outright dismissed, and saying that my company, Cytosol, is involved in uh, working with vaccine manufacturers. So we're going to address that. So A, uh, I believe that people are good, that many of you are being misled by people uh, who are unfortunately afraid of the fact that I actually started exposing their failures. And they need to be exposed because their entire model is a top-down model that they actually believe they know better than you. They may talk a good game, but we need to understand that this movement has been dead on arrival because of their uh, philosophical mistake. Okay, so let's talk about that a little bit. Um, first of all, um, there's been a philosophy for a long time that people are fundamentally incapable of making decisions for their uh, own welfare or their family's own welfare. By the time you got up and you got to this podcast this morning, uh, many of you probably made 50 different decisions on your own. You decided what breakfast uh, to have, what foods to do, what how to get dressed up, whether you brush your teeth or not, and so on. These may seem like small decisions, but everyone coming to this podcast today made many, many significant uh, decisions on your own, independent of the state being involved in your lives. And that's something that we need to remember, that you made those decisions. Um, this morning, I had a plumbing issue in my building. You know, two uh, really great plumbers showed up and we had this long discussion about this uh, phenomenon where people think that they know better and everyday people don't. And one of the plumbers were saying that, you know, he has two 20-year-old kids and how the educational system is miseducating them where they're teaching the kids not to really think, do A, B, C, D, E, but they're not being trained to think out of the box beyond that A, B, C, D, E. So what's happening is we have a fundamental division that's taking place in society, a set of people who wanna think on their own, know that they have common sense, and by the way, most of those people are what the elites call uneducated, everyday working people, the plumbers, the electricians, the people with skills, engineers like myself, who just speak their mind. We don't speak the way that they want us to speak. We have our own tone of speaking, and these people are very upset with everyday people who actually think for themselves. The vulnerable elites today are the ones who think they know better, and they're gonna tell these people, people like myself who come from very modest backgrounds and working people, how to think. And this is a division. And this is a division that must be talked about and we must recognize that a battle must be fought and we must recognize that the enemy of people are those people who think they know better. And unless we uh, openly recognize this division and we try to build some artificial unity, it, there's not going to be, it's a fake unity. It's totally bullshit to think that people believe that they're smarter, that you can unify those with people who believe that, you know, we all make decisions on our own. 
And this is a very, very fundamental difference and celebrate the division because we need to have that division because this model here, if you use a vaccine choice as an example, has led nowhere. It's led to people profiting from it. It's led to people negotiating with people on the top. So I wanna start by actually reviewing the solution that I proposed uh, on this. And I wanna transition to this there. If you go to our website, Shiva for Senate, um, and if you uh, go to this URL, you can find, if you look for Immune Health and Freedom Act, it's called a bill proposed by Dr. Shivaya Dure for really going after this issue. So I wanna discuss this with you. And the discussion that I wanna have with you is, um, by the way, I have a summary here you can read. And then below this, there's the actual bill. You can read, you can support our campaign because we're the ones putting it out there. Below this is a video which I explain the modern immune system and you can actually comment here and leave replies. This went up, um, I, I believe yesterday. So what am I talking about here? The 1962 uh, Vaccine Vaccination Assistant Act uh, was based on an old science of the immune system, all right? So first of all, go back to 1962. Okay, John Kennedy's in office. It's only been uh, probably maybe five or eight years since the polio vaccine came out. The measles vaccine has not come out yet. And people have put together the Vaccination Act of 1962. John Kennedy signed that. That act was based on a very, very minimal understanding of the immune system. Not the things that we know, not the things I presented recently at the National Science Foundation, which talks about the modern science of the immune system. This act signed by uh, Kennedy was based on a very old understanding of the immune system, okay? And that act led to all sorts of injuries uh, from uh, vaccines, which resulted in the 1986 act. Let me actually go right to here and you guys can see this here. Um, so if you look at this here, um, uh, the 1962 act, and we'll come back to this, was signed by uh, John Kennedy, uh, President John Kennedy, and that act uh, created the federal vaccine program. And then we'll come back to this. And then in, in response to that act, one of the things that occurred was in um, 1986, the National Vaccine Childhood Injury Act was done about 24 years later because of the injuries, all right? So we established this bureaucracy in 1962 where we uh, essentially said everyone needed to be vaccinated. That started creating injuries. That resulted in another solution by legislators to say, oh, okay, uh, w since we mandated everyone to get vaccines, now we're gonna have to have another act to deal with the injuries. And that was a 1986 act. Interesting enough, another Kennedy was involved in this, Senator Edward Kennedy, along with Henry Waxman. And this act was essentially the, uh, included the Nas National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program. One of the important things to understand was when this was signed, both House and the Senate were controlled by Democrats, when Reagan signed it, he said, I have serious reservations about the portion of the bill that would establish a federal vaccine injury compensation program. And because Reagan had concerns that the act was removing liability away from market forces into the pharmaceutical companies. So basically of the 1962 act passed, which created, by the way, the it created the CDC, it created the uh, various different types of bureaucratic organizations, including, uh, let me go back to this and you'll see it, um, the 1962 Act, as we're talking about here, uh, created uh, the, um, uh, the, uh, uh, the NCIRD, National Center for Immunization and Respiratory Diseases. It also created ACIP, 
the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. Um, that's what the 1962 Act created, and it also uh, at that point created uh, the Communicable Disease Center, which is now known as the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Right. So this is what this Act created. It created a number of bureaucratic organizations. So that's 1962. So the 1962 Act gets done by Kennedy to address, uh, you know, to promote uh, vaccination of American citizens. Injuries take place, and then the 1986 Act gets created, and we'll go over to that. And the 1986 Act was the National uh, Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, and many people oppose this act. We have to understand, including the determined parents to stop harming our tots DPT shot. In fact, if you look here, that the, the National Vaccine Injury Act's passage, though highly unpopular at the time, was only made possible because they bundled it in with another piece of desirable re legislation for prescription drug exports. So you have the 1962 Act causes injuries, then legislators come down and they say, okay, we're gonna fix this, and they tweak it to create the National uh, you know, Vaccine Injury Program, uh, which was uh, only made possible because they bundled it in with another bill. Since 1986 to today, we've been dealing with these injuries, okay? And the fact that the pharmaceutical companies were shielded from it, the CDC, which got created from the 1962 Act, allowed pharma guys to go in and out of the CDC. All of this was brought to you by, uh, nothing against these individuals, but it's important to understand John Kennedy signed the 1962 Act based on old science, and then Ted Kennedy and Waxman try to put a Band-Aid solution. So that's where we're at. But the, here's the fundamental thing, getting back to the philosophy. The philosophy here was that the state knows better. That the state, a few set of people, you know, know better, and this is a liberal democratic philosophy. And in fact, that doesn't mean Republicans don't hold this philosophy, but it's this quote-unquote liberal philosophy that we as a state are going to take care of you. We're gonna uh, demand that everyone gets vaccinated, and we're also gonna demand that when um, an injury takes place from vaccines, that then we're gonna have to fix another Band-Aid solution taking place at the national level. So they created the vaccine courts, which actually uh, protected the vaccine manufacturers. And then now we have starting around, you know, uh, you know, for the last 20 years, there's been this quote unquote anti-vaccine movement. Well, that anti-vaccine movement interestingly enough, has been led by the same liberal Democrats. Okay, let me repeat that. The same liberal Democrats who instituted these laws are now starting nonprofits, out there doing their shows, leading the movements, and they are claiming, and they never want to attack the liberal Democrats who created this, all these views, because again, the whole supposition was that you are stupid, you don't know how to take care of your health, so we're gonna tell you, and we're also gonna get involved in uh, shielding away the vaccine manufacturer so you can't go sue them you have to come to us the state so i hope this is clear and so now you have this movement that got created people have been involved for 20 years always trying to go back to the legislators okay they're trying to go back to them they're trying to corral the movement to go back to them that's what they're doing okay be it bobby kennedy be it dell bigtree before dell bigtree gets on a plane to come to the new jersey goes let's be nice to the legislators okay Bobby Kennedy is pro-vax, okay? He said he vaccinated all of his kids. He wants all of us to bow down to his liberal Democrat colleagues, in, even though they haven't helped the movement at all. 
This is why it explains why he supports Hillary Clinton, why he endorsed her three times, and and why he's not out there responding to any of this. Or I'm out here in a very open, naked way, taking on the heat for exposing this. And it's okay, because I've been through many struggles in my life talking about the truth. But the bottom line is, be it John Kennedy, be it Ted Kennedy, be it Bobby Kennedy, they all believe in this philosophy that the state knows better. Actually, JFK really didn't believe this. He was actually, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, he was hit with bad science, old science, outdated science, which created the 1962 vaccination program. But you have this liberal philosophical, quote unquote, liberal philosophical model, which believes that the state knows better. Now, what we've done here, let me go to this act. We've said the following, that we need to actually address immune health and Freedom Act. And what this means is an act to decentralize decision-making on matters concerning the immune health of an individual by restoring the healthcare provider-patient relationship sovereignty and to eliminate undue intervention of said sovereignty by the federal government so as to enable the delivery of modern, precision, and personalized medical interventions for advanced immune health and resilience. So why did I state it like this? Look, the bottom line is, it's not about vax or anti-vax, okay? This is a dialectic that has always been created by those in power to divide us. So if we want to unify us, if we truly want to create unity, we need to do this. We need to recognize that be it uh, the establishment, like in New Jersey, Sweeney, or be it the so-called people fighting Sweeney, they all are still believing that the state fundamentally should be involved. And that's why they're in there doing this little tweak negotiations. This issue, it has nothing to do with vaccine or anti-vaccine. This issue comes down to a scientific issue. How do we create healthy and resilient immune systems? How do we create healthy and re resilient immune systems for you or somebody else? Okay, so that's the question, so consider that. Consider the question is, how do we create a healthy immune system for you? So the question is, who is going to determine that? Are you going to determine that? Or is a state going to give you a one-size-fit-all model? All right? That's the question. Is a state going to tell you how to take care of your physical health, of, of your immune system, or are you going to make that decision for yourself? How is that going to occur? That's the fundamental question. So let's start with fundamentals. Look, I'm a, a, a guy who came from India. My grandparents were farmers. You know, uh, I worked, you know, in New Jersey as a working class kid. So I look at things very simply. I don't like to bullshit around, but this is, I like to go to the heart of the issue. And the heart of the issue here is how are you supposed to take care of your health? Okay. Your immune system. Think about that. So 1962, somebody came up with the model that we should vaccinate everyone. Okay. That vaccines are the way. And that model was based on the immune system health. Um, as I've talked about, you can see the video you know, below here and you can go study the modern theory of the immune system, the old one, uh, right here. If you go to this page, um, it's right here. You can go uh, get it. And in this model of the immune system, um, they just had two boxes, right? It was a very rudimentary concept of the immune system and that's how vaccines developed. That's why if I give John F. Kennedy the benefit of the doubt here, John Kennedy was influenced by scientists who had a very, very nascent embryonic understanding of the immune system. So that's why this act comes in saying we got to vaccinate, vaccinate everyone. Okay. But if you look at what I'm proposing here, my proposal here is to say that real health, 
which I think everyone intuitively knows, comes from you understanding your body and you having a relationship with your healthcare provider and both of you figure out in your own town, in your own doctor's office, by yourself what's right for you. Okay, let me repeat that. This is a decentralized model. This recognizes that the modern science tells us that the immune system is very complex, that each one of you has a very different genetics and epigenetics, that you can't have the state telling you what's right for you, that you need to figure it out. And whether it's vaccinations or non-vaccinations, it's irrelevant. Whether you wanna take vitamin A, whether you wanna take alternative therapies, you have the right to figure that out between you and in consultation with your healthcare provider. That's what this says. So what we're saying in this bill is if you go here, we're saying, whereas the 1962 Act created the federal vaccine program, and we describe all the things that the 1962 Act did, which everyone needs to understand is here in black and white. And then we go, whereas the 1986 Act created the National Injury Act, whereas it actually was reluctantly signed by Reagan. And then we also share the other important points, whereas a modern science and advances in the post-genomic era of systems biology, which is my field of expertise in systems immunology, now informs medical research, which means it tells us, for the need for personalized medicine, one size doesn't fit all, and the need for the right medicine for the right person at the right time, that's what we know today. Whereas the modern science of immune system also reveals that the old model in many ways was outdated and potentially a junk science. That, and it also tells us that the vaccine safety, there are people like Dell Bigtree who've said, let's create another vaccine safety you know, organization, another bureaucracy. So this is how liberal democracy works, okay? They always want to pile on another bureaucracy. So people are saying, oh, the government should create another vaccine safety organization. Well, the reality is if FDA already exists, okay? The FDA already exists and they have relatively far more than vaccines, very strict guidelines on how a drug needs to go through. It has to go through phase one, phase two, phase three, you know, double blind studies. Well, we don't need to create another agency. Vaccines should be treated as a pharmaceutical drug. They should go through the in vitro, you know, all the tests all the way through. And by the way, we'll talk about cytosols uh, 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 that some people have slandered me on, which either they're stupid or they're being told by Big Tree and Kennedy to attack me, which I think the latter is actually true, is Cytosol is an amazing invention, like the invention of email I made. The purpose of Cytosol, whether it be for a nutraceutical product, whether it be for pharmaceuticals, whether it be for vaccines, was created to understand toxicity and risk long before we went to the lab, long before we killed a bunch of animals, long before we tested. This is something everyone should love. That's what I've spent my life doing for over 50 years, trying to really understand health. This is not something I jumped into because I saw it as a nonprofit opportunity to re resurrect my grand because resurrect my brand. This is something that's part of who I am. And anyone who is purposefully doing this, you know, be aware that you will also be attacked appropriately for spreading lies and defamation. But Cytosol is an amazing invention that was created to address a safety issue. So going back here, what we see here is that we say where the aforementioned laws have removed the sovereign rights of the healthcare provider-patient relationship in determining the right medicine for the right person at the right time, um, as if and what interventions, be it immunizations or therapies, foods and supplements should be delivered, therefore let it be enacted. So what we're saying is what we need to do is we need to eliminate the 1962 Vaccination Act. We need to eliminate the 
the you know 1986 act we need to eliminate these groups and we need to restore sovereignty at the end of the day as you'll see here back to the healthcare that's what section 11 is the healthcare providers in consult with their patients given the particular patient's needs and conditions will solely make recommendations as to the medical interventions and the protocols. So I recommend everyone to read this. But the bottom line is I've put forward philosophically a very different kind of uh, bill here versus saying we're going to go tweak uh, what's out there. Okay? Uh, exactly. Someone said Dell and Kennedy have not been honorable to Shiva and all he has done. Exactly. Because Dell and Bobby Kennedy are running businesses. And they think they can own this entire movement. And you know what? There is a division because both of those guys, I'm sorry, suck up to the liberal Democrats. They don't. And in fact, there's some level of racism here because they don't want to acknowledge a dark skinned Indian guy who's coming out over here and has his own journey. And in fact, what's really horrible is those of you who are white liberals out there who dare call me a wife beater, who dare attack the inventions I've done, you also have a level of racism in you. Why don't you do this to Bobby Kennedy? Why don't you look at the fact he was a heroin addict? Why don't you look at his personal life, which is galore the Kennedys? But you dare attack me when my thing was false claims, outright dismiss, because you think it's okay to attack a dark-skinned guy. And you need to look at that. And you haven't seen a good Indian, a, a Indian like me speak out because you're used to Indians who are either Democrats, liberal Democrats, or sit quietly. Well, I'm not a good Indian. And you better watch out when you say shit about me, my family, or what I've done because it's libel and slander and I've won defamation cases. I will protect my reputation because I'm here to fight for people. I come from nothing, as I'll talk about. I come from nothing was handed to me like the Kennedys. Nothing. I wasn't protected by people who could work the back room to hide their all their shit in their background. So this is time for truth. And the truth is we have a division in this movement. And Dell Bigtree and Bobby Kennedy think they're going to, you know, massage it, run their things and keep Shiva Ayodhuri out, keep him out. And I've extended multiple olive branches to both these guys. And they have not taken it up because they fundamentally are afraid of someone like me because they are part of the establishment's model of a top-down model. So there is a division and there's not going to be a unity, a bogus unity that people are expecting when these people philosophically do not want someone like me. They do not appreciate a revolutionary approach to this because they want to suck up to the Hollywood, suck up to the Kennedy, and they want some of you who are brainwashed into this to be part of that. They want you to bow down and forgive them and try to attack me. It's not going to happen. So let's talk about this bill here. It's out there. It is fundamentally a philosophical difference to what they're proposing. And there is a philosophical difference here. And we need to celebrate that. Um, yes. And, and those of you, someone just tweeted out here. Um, if you want to talk about people's integrity, let's go talk about the Kennedys, where they made their money. Everything I've gotten, and by the way, we don't charge for the movement. We don't uh, tell people to uh, give us money. Uh, we don't ask for you know people to uh, fly our people around. Everything we've done has been on my nickel, okay? And I don't need to do the vaccine movement to create who I am. Everything I have has come from my own bare hands and creating it, and we can talk more about it. So those of you who dare attack me, you're attacking my family, you're attacking me, you're attacking my people, not only in India, but where I came from in Newark, New Jersey, and other places like that. So you better watch out in your attacks on this because they're absolutely either driven by 
a implicit racism that you have because you excuse Bobby Kennedy and what he's done. If you're going to attack, falsely attack me, they're false claims. Um, I will protect myself and I have done that. I want to make that very, very clear. So be very uh, careful on how you try to uh, denigrate me. Let's talk about some science now. Uh, and I want to talk about uh, what is Cytosolve. What is Cytosolve and what is it really about? Because it's time that you understand that this is a very powerful technology that can really help save lives and it can really help this movement. This is what the purpose of it is. So I'm gonna um, go over here into some slides and let me, uh, I'm gonna share with you so everyone has a real understanding of what Cytosolve is truly about. And, and it goes back to who I am and where I actually come from. Uh, some of you may know that I was born in India, but I was born in two worlds in India. I was born in, in an India of Bombay you know, with uh, slums and poverty, my uh, family had, uh, you know, they came from humble origins. In fact, we were considered the lower caste untouchables. The fact that my family even ended up in Bombay was quite significant. But I also, and this is, by the way, scenes of Bombay. It, you see everything in one scene here. Um, here you see, you know, the, the, the 20th century or the 19th century, and you also see the 12th century, okay? You see rickshaws, you see cows, you see roads. This is what I grew up uh, in a place like India, but I also grew up uh, one third of my life in, in farms like this uh, where my grandparents, you have to understand, were poor village farmers, okay? I did not come from Joe Kennedy with a trust fund, okay? The kid has $50 million. Bobby Kennedy has money and everything behind him. This is where I came from. These are my people. And my people were people who were humble people who had nothing. Uh, they were farmers. Uh, my grandmother used to work in the fields, you know, planting rice and she would have leeches on her feet. This was a small subsistence farmer, and this is what I would see my uh, grandmother doing you know, during the day, and sometimes I would go up out and help her. And that's a picture of my grandmother in her Sunday best. She was a deeply spiritual woman. She had tattoos all over her arms, and she was a woman who also, on weekends, would practice the ancient system of Indian medicine called Siddha, S-I-D-D-H-A, and you guys can go look it up. But sit, and she didn't learn this in school. She didn't have time to go to medical school. We were considered, you know, again, untouchables. But she had learned this from traveling other yogis, traveling other masters. And the ability she had through this system was she could observe your face, your face, not someone else's face, and she would figure out your particular, uh, your particular uh, ailments, your particular imbalances, and then she would figure out what was the right medicine for you, either as a mixture of herbs or particular yoga exercises or particular types of things that were appropriate for you. And I saw her heal many people, you know, on a weekend like today, Saturday or Sunday, you know, literally about 30 to 40 people would line up, she would observe them, and she did this without charging a penny. She considered it a noble service to do that for what was given to her. So these are where I come from, very, very People, you know, by the way, in that village, there was no electricity, no running water, you know, you walk barefoot. So I've had the opportunity to grow up in that world. Uh, my aunts and uncles lived in small huts, and that's who I come from. I did not grow up in the bootlegging background of the Kennedys where I could be a heroin addict. I'm sorry, but the attacks uh, that if you want to start, and then you could get it written off, you could still get your career, okay? these, This is where I come from, and I don't need to have pictures as Joe Kennedy's doing here with poor black people, you know, poor white people to add to his album to act as though he cares for everyone. I have that already in my own photo album of a lot of poor people. Okay, who, that's who I come from. 
And similarly, when I grew up in New Jersey. So I want to let you know that my grandmother had this amazing ability to do this. And I was fascinated how a woman was able to do this. Now, the system of Indian medicine, I don't have a chance to go through this with you, but I've taught it. You know, we have a center called Systems Health Institute, but the system of Indian medicine had its own language. And in that system of medicine, if you look in this orange area, uh, if you see here, there's Vatha, Pitta, and Kapha, and people would, uh, my grandmother would identify your body type as Vatha, Pitta, Kapha, which meant your body type was characterized. And based on this system, she would figure out what the right medicines were. The reason I shared this graph here is that there's a whole system of Indian medicine that has its own language. It's not based on molecules. It's not based on you know, molecular pathways, but it's based on these concepts which determine the energy in your body, the forces of different types of um, matter that make up the universe, and then how your body relates to that. Um, and as I mentioned, this is the world that I grew up in. My, my people were tribal people. There was this caste system. and but, but my family came here in 1970, and I was one of those kids who was very motivated because I'd seen my grandmother, and I wanted to learn how to do medicine. By the time I was 14 years old, I started working full-time because I'd finished my math class, I worked my butt off. Not only was I smart, but I was a very hard worker because I actually wanted to achieve something. Again, I didn't have a trust fund. I didn't have the Kennedy name. And I started working full-time in Newark, New Jersey. If some of you have been there, uh, it's a very poor neighborhood. And I started working there full-time, actually doing, uh, exactly, someone just, uh, yeah, so I started doing research at a medical school full-time uh, as a 14-year-old kid, I was a research fellow, hired because I've learned programming at NYU when I was 14. And in that medical school, what did I first start doing? Because of my interest in medicine I st- and, and because I was very good at computers, I started looking at why babies were dying in their sleep, called SIDS, and I was trying to look at their sleep patterns and see if I could create some new technology to predict the onset of an apnea, when that baby would die by looking at the sleep patterns. And I, in fact, published a very important paper. This was, I think, when I was 17 years old in Finland. And you guys can go look it up. Uh, Someone said I lived in East Orange. Yeah, car theft capital of the world, Newark. You have to understand, I used to go into Newark as a 14-year-old kid. Still today, a lot of, you know, it's still uh, predominantly African-Americans. The liberal Democrats have done nothing really to help that city still to this day. But I used to go there, and my high school changed the rules. One of the points I want to bring bring up is, There are people who find it so hard to believe a 14-year-old Indian American kid invented the first email system. But those same people, typically white, liberal, racist Democrats, I'm sorry, that's who you are, find it so, have no problem with a German white guy, uh, Mozart, writing symphonies when he was young. And here, I have to actually talk about this. I don't have a PR agency to share this, but the truth is when I was 14 years old, I was asked to convert while I was working at that medical school because of my skills, because of my hard work and my intelligence, people noticed that. And the, in, the, in those old days, people had this thing called the inner office mail system. Some of you may have seen this, where a secretary had an inbox, an outbox, folders, a typewriter, she would write this thing actually called a memo. And this memo had a very particular uh, aspect to this uh, to, from, subject. Sometimes they would write a thing called a carbon uh, copy with a carbon paper, and they would stick it in these envelopes, put it in these pneumatic tubes, and they would send it out, okay? This is not simple text messaging. 
I was asked to convert the inbox, outbox, folders, you know, blind carbon uh, uh, copy, carbon copy, all those features, a system to the electronic format. And um, I call that system, oops, let me go here. I call that system email, okay? Uh, wrote 50,000 lines of code, again, as a 14-year-old kid, called it email and got the, ended up getting the, uh, the first US copyright for it, which you'll see here. At that time, and by the way, here's the code, which is now in the Smithsonian. And this is me with my teachers presenting this. This was focused on in one of the school newspapers. And in 1982, I got the first US copyright for email, officially recognizing me as the inventor of email. All right? That's what I did. And these are my works. Again, no one gave this to me. Um, I didn't have a trust fund. Again, I keep emphasizing this. I didn't have other people uh, supporting me. I'm bottoms up, guys. And I had some amazing people, mentors, the secretaries in that office who were supportive, who were my customers. I treated them equally. They treated me equally. And that's how email was born. Email was born as an application to help everyday working women go from the typewriter to the keyboard when other people did not believe in them and that's what i created so i share that with you because one of the things i learned was how to create systems so this young teenager before he came to mit um, learned um someone said are you on youtube i am that's how i created email and this was and by the way about seven years ago when my dear mom was dying of a horrible disease i never asked credit for this um, in a suitcase, she'd saved everything. The editor of Time Magazine came and looked at everything and he put out an article you can see here called The Man Who Invented Email. And then it went into the Smithsonian and you can read about it. It created a controversy created by those same aristocratic, quote unquote, liberal elites who think that all great inventions must come from MIT. And when I said this was done, before I came to MIT, it created a huge hullabaloo, people questioning what I did. But the facts are, I wrote all the code, called it email and have the first copyright. So any of you uh, out there who want to malign me on that, know that I won a defamation lawsuit against Gawker Media who tried to say I was a fraud and all this kind of stuff when all this stuff came out. And uh, someone's saying Periscope is, is dying a slow death. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means, uh, but that's what took place. So why am I bringing that up? So I've had a, always a deep interest in systems, but always in medicine. The email, uh, the creation of email actually took place before I came to MIT. So when I came to MIT, I was very interested in medicine, but the problem was what I noticed was Western medicine looked at the body as parts. It did not see, uh, it did not see the body as an integrated whole. And so my journey, even though I was interested in medicine, I went in and out of MIT and created multiple uh, companies, started, did four degrees in engineering. But in 2003, I came back to MIT and I did my PhD in a field called biological engineering. And what you see here, uh, uh, I, when I came back to MIT, I, uh, in 2003, there was a new field forming, which was systems biology, trying to understand how genes and proteins all related to understanding the whole. I finished my PhD in 2007, and as a part of that, I created Cytosolve, and I'm gonna talk about that. But after I created Cytosolve, remember, I was always interested, my grandmother was able to practice the system of medicine, and I took off about uh, two years to go back to India to study the integration of Eastern and Western medicine, one of my deep loves. And uh, this was on the front page of MIT, which said Fulbright Scholar on a New Adventure. MIT was 
uh, couldn't understand why a guy who had four degrees would want to go back to the villages in India to study Indian medicine. But to me, it was an honor to do this, to pay homage to my grandmother to really understand that. So what I ended up finding was when you look at the Indian system of medicine, um, and I'll share this with you, it turns out that the Indian system of med medicine, Vatha, Pitha and Kapha, the inputs and outputs were actually could be translated into an engineering uh, form. So, um, th by the way, this is available for free. You can learn about it. But if you look at on the left side, in the engineering syst systems we study as engineers, you have input, output, transport, conversion, storage. You have goal, controller, sensor. And you can read all about it in a book I have called System and Revolution. The Indian terminology actually matches one-to-one <coughs> -one with that system. And that you can uh, get uh, in a book I have called System and Revolution. And this was a major discovery which I published in an engineering systems journal showing basically these Eastern systems of medicine, like what my grandmother was practicing was actually understanding the body as a whole. Though they used a different language, it was actually related to engineering systems theory. So as a part of that, what I wanted to share with you guys today is if you are interested, those of you, you can actually go, let me go over here. You can actually go here to your body, your system, and you can actually um, you can actually learn this tool. I ended up creating an application for everyday people to use where you can answer a set of questions and it'll figure out your body is a system here. This red dot, transport, conversion, and storage are the same as Vata, Pitta, Gafa that my grandmother used. And then you can figure out how your body has gone through an imbalance from its own system. And then you can figure out how foods, supplements can bring you back on track. So this is one of my creations. Um, separate from what I'm going to talk to you about Cytosol, that's part of systems health in your body or system. So you got to understand, this has been my journey. I didn't suddenly jump into the vaccine thing to make money off of it, it's to get my glory. To me, as an honor to where I came from, I've been very interested in integrating systems of medicine and understanding of the body as a medicine, but more importantly, giving you tools so you bottoms up can manage your yourself and understand how the body uh, connects together. So. Um, this tool, by the way, you know, we used to, when I ran it as a, you know, separate business, we used to charge a lot for it. But one of the things we've done is as a part of our campaign that we're running here, I'll show you this, that if you go to our campaign, if you go to the uh, right over here, you can literally, um, uh, if you want to support the campaign uh, and you want to contribute, one of the important things we're doing is anyone who uh, gives, I think about 25 bucks, which is nothing relative to the value, uh, can get all of these tools. Uh, right here, you can see, we give you the book, the access to the tool, and in fact, you get a bumper sticker, all of it for I think like 25 bucks or something. So uh, I, my intention is to educate as many people as possible how the body is a system. So again, all invented by me, I wrote the code, I did the research, you know, this is not done by other people giving me money, bottoms up by my own bare hands. I wrote this and I still uh, do work on this, but my goal is to support you in understanding this. Okay, so let's go back here and really now sort of understand what is Cytosol, okay? Because there's been a lot of idiots out there who've been thinking that, you know, I'm in the vaccine manufacturing business and this is obviously perpetrated by people who are so afraid of the stuff that I'm sharing that they have to go malign people, okay? And this is being done by people in this so-called movement who are asking for unity. So what, what am I talking about here? How did Cytosol come to be? 
So Cytosol comes to being because um, one of the important things that I've been very interested in is when my grandmother saw your, you, she saw your body as a system. She did not see you as an interconnected, separate you know, uh, set of things. She saw you as one system. Now, if you go to a doctor today to get your health, and fundamentally that's what it's about, you walk into the doctor and you have a headache, they may send you to three different specialists. But this is how Western medicine works today. Um, yes, someone asked, is the app available worldwide? Yes, it is. You can go to your body, your system to get it. Um, and what you see here is this is what's going on in healthcare. You know, we spend, you know, three to four times more on healthcare than we even do on defense. 20% of our GDP, you know, goes to healthcare. $3.7 trillion every year spent on healthcare. And if you look, this is something people need to understand. There's a lot of, again, ignorant people in this movement who do not understand what is actually going on with pharmaceutical companies. Again, the so-called misleaders, in fact, that's what they are, have never bothered to educate you, but I will. This is what's going on. Pharmaceutical companies are actually spending year over year more and more and more money in trying to develop new drugs. Okay, so what is a drug? And what is a drug development process? First of all, a drug is a synthetic compound. It's a single compound typically that does not exist in nature. And in order to do that, they have to take it through a series of processes that is mandated by the government before it gets released. But what you see in this diagram here is, or this graph, pharma companies are spending more and more in trying to get their drugs through, but they're actually getting new and new drug approvals because what's happening is many of these compounds have massive side effects. And because of the fact they have to do testing and testing and prove safety, they're not getting their stuff through, which vaccines do not need to go through, okay? And this is something people need to understand. So when you look at this model here, um, now let's talk about the drug development process. And again, a lot of ignorant people, uh, when we said Cytosol, I think they found some old page from 2013, is involved in drug development of vaccines and liberties, et cetera. What does that mean, okay? What is a drug development process? By the way, when you look at this development cycle right here, let me go over here, uh, the, the, the drug development process right here, what you see here, it's a methodical process that companies need to go through to, before they can get a drug out. By the way, uh, even herbal products, and some people do this thing, or cosmeceuticals, nutraceuticals. And what is this? What you see here is you discover a new compound, or you may even have a new functional food, or an herb, or supplement. Typically, people go see if that supplement works in a test tube, or in the case of pharma, they have to do this. Then they go kill a bunch of animals, which is called in vivo. This takes around six years. After this, before you go to phase one, phase two, phase three human testing, you have to get approval by the FDA. By the way, the vaccines don't need to go through this stringent process. And then you, then you test on small humans, uh, uh, trials, larger humans, and very large humans. This takes around 15, 13 to 15 years, $5 billion. And the drugs coming out of here, if they have side effects, we can go sue the pharma company. So the point is, it's a pharmaceutical development process. When I looked at this, I said, look, many of the drugs, even before they go into clinical trials, when they're actually hurting humans, um, they are, first of all, killing animals. What about if you could create a technology that could do this on the computer? So you don't kill animals, you can figure out risk and safety, and this was one of the reasons I went back to MIT. And the goal was to create that technology, and what um, by the way, the way we build drugs or the way that vaccines are created, uh, what vaccines are really worse is you have a vaccine, it's like the old way we tested a pilot. If the pilot crashes, you say, gee, we'll, 
wish he crashed, I'll give him some money. And, if, and then if he succeeds, then you after the fact try to figure out why it worked. There's not a rational process for a drug development. It's like the blind men touching the elephant where the elephant may represent some disease and each scientist is touching parts of it and they end up with an elephant that looks nothing like the actual thing. But this is how it's going on. And one of the things that's happened is that in biology in 2003, when the genome project ended around 2003, we found out that we have about the same number of genes as a worm. When the genome project started in 1993, people thought we had about you know, 20,000 genes. It turns out we own, uh, I mean 200,000 or 100,000 genes. It turns out we only have about uh, 20,000 genes. So t this led to a new field recognizing we're not our genes. It led to a field called systems biology. So in 2003, I came back to MIT and one of the goals was could you mathematically model the whole human cell using the computer? So if you think about a c the cell as a big reactor of all these chemical reactions, imagine if we could actually model the human cell, which is understanding all those chemical reactions, integrating them all together. And remember, I've always wanted to do medicine, three degrees from MIT, always was very upset at the fact that I couldn't do real medicine because of the fact that Western medicine looked at the body as more of a, um, you know, a, uh, uh, a uh, you know, parts. So that led me back into MIT. And my goal was, in my PhD work, I actually looked at the cell as a system, and I ended up creating a whole new way of understanding this. And that way was to actually start looking at the cell as an integrated system of systems and molecular reactions. And by the way, this is a molecular pathway. When you see a molecular pathway, this could be one little reaction having to do with cancer, or one little reaction having to do with you know, the immune system these little pieces of reactions are written in the literature. So the idea was if you could convert these to models, then you could connect up the models together, you could really decentrally understand disease. And this, was, uh, this resulted in my first paper where I created the technology to do this, and that was Cytosolve. This was after, Jesus, 2003 to seven, I spent developing this, and it took us until 2011 to really get this out to the public and publish the fact that we had made this extraordinary invention. So that was Cytosolve. And what Cytosolve did was we said, look, if this blue circle represents a complex disease, we could break it out into multiple little pathways, and those individual pathways could be treated in a decentralized fashion, and we could use Cytosolve to interconnect them. So this was what I created. So very much like the email creation I did, which was integrating different parts of the office, Cytosol was a way to uh, uh, interconnect different parts of the molecular systems of different diseases. And that was, again, wrote all the code uh, 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 between 2003 to seven. That was the basis of my PhD work. And what you see here, I'm sorry, um, is that this was the advent of Cytosol. Now, if you look at this diagram, what do you see here? Um, and what you see here is Cytosol was a completely different way of understanding with, before we kill animals, before we go hurt human beings. So all of you, frankly, the idiots out there who think that I'm in the drug business and making oodles off drug money, and by the way, the Kennedys made more money than I did off drugs, and uh, Joe Kennedy has a lot of investments in pharma companies, okay? So those of you who want to start attacking me, if you want me to go to war with the Kennedys, I will, or you better shut up right now and understand what I'm actually doing here. But if you want to start a real war between me and the Kennedys, we'll start it. 
or it's about time that you get educated, but this is what Cytosolve actually does. Cytosolve is a technology which is going to eliminate the need for animal testing. We're doing it right now. It actually eliminates, it actually says, let's understand safety long before uh, it actually occurs. So by the way, just to give you an understanding here, um, when we create an airplane today, okay, we don't go kill animals like we used to do. We don't go kill human beings. We understand, we look at all the data, we mine that data, and we model the airplane on the computer. And we test all of that even before we waste time going into wind tunnels, okay? And we figure out all the safety and the risk on the computer. Let me repeat that. We don't go putting people in, you know, and saying, go fly this airplane and die, and then we'll figure out which design works. That was like 100 years ago. People were flying off cliffs and doing all this wacky stuff. Well, that's how vaccines are developed today. We're just saying, put it out into the public, and if people get injured, we'll pay them. But that's not how we build airplanes. We test it on the computer, we figure out what works, and then, uh, and then we do some wind tunnel testing, but we save a lot of time and money, okay? Well, if you look at Cytosolve, that's what Cytosolve is. Cytosolve is a technology which can mine previous work, we mine the data, and we literally model molecular pathways on the computer. So when this came out, no one thought this was possible because all the people in the a big industry, the gold standard is pharma. So I actually use this technology to prove that I could create a drug for pancreatic cancer, not in 15 years, not in six years, but in 11 months, I discovered a two combination therapy. And we went through the process to show because pharma is a naysayers. So I had to show them that I could compete on their own battleground, but my real interest is what my grandmother did in natural products. And we actually got a drug allowed by the FDA. And then we have spun that out with MD Anderson, who we're now trying to figure out how we do combinations of natural products on the computer to solve all sorts of cancer. And that is what Cytosol is about. So when you think about Cytosol, long before we go kill human beings, Cytosol is a way that we can even understand the risk and safety of vaccines, but no vaccine manufacturer wants to take this on because we'll probably expose them, okay? So if, if you know, Bobby Kennedy and Dell Bigtree, if they really want to unify, they'll say, you know what, let's get the vaccine manufacturers using Cytosol. But instead of doing that, they're going and playing around with legislators and, and unleashing their proxies to attack me. Let Bobby and Dell come out and, and attack me face to face because I know what you guys are doing. So let's have it out. But if you really cared, you would want to promote Cytosol. You would want, and I don't need money for this. Let every vaccine manufacturer give me their ingredients and I'll run it through Cytosolve as a public service. But they don't want to do that because we will identify the risk, we will identify toxicities, we'll probably identify the linkage to neuroinflammation. We're going to, by the way, we're actually doing that on our own and we're going to be publishing some work on that. Okay? So that's what Cytosolve allows you to do. And by way of example, you know, we have a whole methodology now for taking any indication in a step-by-step -step fashion. We've built this huge, wonderful, collaboratory where we can do citizen science, where we can bring people in. It's an extraordinary invention. For me, it's what I, as a four-year-old kid growing up in that village in India, what I wanted to do. So it's in many ways an honor to my grandmother and, my, and all those people who helped me in New Jersey that I'm using my computing skills and, and my love of medicine. We have a technology framework that can really understand how combinations work to discover new medicines, to discover things that are risky, et cetera. It's an extraordinary development. In the interest of time, um, I could go more into Cytosol, but just to let you know, I'm gonna show you 
we've published papers on this. I've you know battled with the big boys. We had a major paper we just published in Nature Neuroscience where we've literally used Cytosol to understand all the ways in which every neurovascular disease is actually connected to one another. This technology can actually help us understand disease at the molecular level. In addition, I'll give you another example here that I'll walk you through um, the kinds of stuff Cytosol can do. When you exercise or when you run, blood flows through your arteries and your body releases nitric oxide. Well, um, in the wet lab, um, one of my colleagues when I was at MIT literally sent blood flow and he was measuring how much nitric oxide was being released, okay, in the actual wet lab. With Cytosol, we're actually able to take this. This is a wet lab when blood flows, nitric oxide gets released. By the way, when blood flows, there's a little um, uh, uh, component called the glycocalyx. When that moves, um, uh, nitric oxide gets released. In the literature, if you go read, you'll see all these little molecular pathways, okay, all these little uh, chemical reactions. With Cytosol, we're able to integrate all of them, and we're actually able to compute the release of nitric oxide. And look at this, this orange um, dots represent the wet lab, what was done in the actual biological lab, and our computed results match very closely to the wet lab results. So bottom line is Cytosol is an amazing tool for modeling reality without the need to kill animals way up front, way up front in this process. Let me show you another example here. For those of you interested in natural products, and this is what I do a lot of, by the way, this is an example of what we did. This paper came out saying if you're gonna solve cancer, you have to do cocktails of drugs. And, and you would have to go through millions and millions and millions of combinations to do this, probably kill trillions of animals. With Cytosol, what we did was, we literally modeled all the mechanisms of cell death, how cells metastasize. We literally went through all of these uh, mi millions of combinations and we actually got allowance by the FDA. Why is this important? because this shows that even the FDA recognizes that the technology we had is valuable, that it can compete with the big guys to understand toxicity. The FDA is about one thing. The FDA is supposed to be focused on toxicity and safety. This is why with the bill that I proposed, we don't need to go create another bureaucracy. Let's bring them under the FDA. So um, the last one I wanna end you with is going back. When I grew up in India, you would see these yogis doing these mixtures. So if you had a problem, they would try to figure out what was the right medicine for you. And what we're seeing here is um, if you take something like curcumin, which is the active ingredient in turmeric, and we've mapped out all the ways curcumin uh, uh, affects inflammation at the molecular level, this is what we can do with Cytosol. So here's curcumin, and you can see all the places curcumin is affecting inflammatory response. Similar, you can see what happens when you take resveratrol. And then with Cytosol, we're able to do the combinations. So these combinations could be a vaccine, it could be mercury, it could be thimerosal. We can actually model that to understand safety. In this case, we're looking for efficacy. How does this work together? And then we're able to run simulations. So in this case, zero curcumin, zero resveratrol, high inflammation. I just give curcumin, you notice the inflammation comes down. I just give resveratrol, it comes from 0.5 to 0.06. But when I do combinations, less curcumin, less resveratrol, you get even greater uh, reduction in inflammation. In this similar way, we could show toxicity of ingredients. So in the interest of time, what I wanted to let you know is number one, Cytosol itself is a decentralized platform. 
we can work with scientists all over the world and get their information. We're not just beholden to Harvard or Stanford or any one big institute. We can bring all that information in. And uh, a couple of months ago, we ran the first international conference on vaccine safety through my nonprofit research foundation. And in that, which I'm funding, um, we are actually starting to model neuroinflammation and the gut microbiome. We're looking at the interconnections and we'll be sharing some of this data with you. But that is made possible because of Cytosol. We would love vaccine manufacturers to come work with Cytosol, but, and if you find them, bring them on in, tell them we won't charge them anything for doing toxicity testing, but that's what Cytosol is about. And by, and I also wanna end with one thing here. One of the important things that Cytosol has been used for is a very powerful uh, capability that I'm gonna bring up here. Some of you, if you go to Whole Foods to buy products, you may see a very interesting um, uh, set of products now that are out there. Let me go here. Uh, if you go to Clean Food Certified, um, uh, several years ago, uh, Whole Foods and a lot of the clean manufacturers contacted me and they really wanted to create a seal beyond non-GMO, beyond organic, something that really uh, let people know what is clean food. So as a labor of love, I actually helped define that entire uh, uh, area and the certification. So if you go here, you can read about clean food certified. This is something I did for the entire industry. It's about clean food. And you can see that we have many people who are doing this. This is run out of our, uh, uh, our institute. And we've actually come out with a whole way to understand what clean food is. And this technology is also powered. Uh, one part of it is we want to focus on safety, minimally processed and bioavailability of nutrients. And so if you, you will go, if you go to Whole Foods, you'll see products certified raw and certified clean. And that is brought to you by uh, one, the ability to understand bioavailability came from Cytosol. So bottom line is systems health is what I do. It's been my lifelong journey to train people to understand the integration of Eastern and Western medicine. We have your body, your system. We have Cytosol. So I've been in the health and well-being business for helping unleash health and well-being for a long time. And those of you who want to, uh, and it's about bottoms up. When we did the clean food certified, this was bottoms up. We brought together manufacturers, we brought together consumer groups, independent of the government, to really build a whole new seal for this. So um, I, I guess what I wanna end with ask, uh, before we go to questions, um, we, we do this until 1 p.m., is to let you know that you're looking at someone and the people that are gravitating to what we're sharing are revolutionaries who wanna build a bottoms up movement. They don't want, they're tired of the Hollywood and the people coming in trying to tell them how they're gonna do it. That's why the vaccine choice movement has been an utter failure until people like me got involved. We're saying bottoms up, fight on the ground. And we need to build a immune health act. And we have to take away all those bills that were created, all those acts. There is no compromise here. Right when you tell people that the state is gonna tell you what's injected into your body, and then, which is based on old science, the 1962 Vaccination Act, then you have the vaccine courts, and then you're going and trying to twiddle around with these politicians, which is what they're telling the movement to do. That is a top-down model, whether John Kennedy did it, whether Ed, Ted Kennedy did it, whether Bobby Kennedy, whether Joe Kennedy does it. The Kennedys do not own this because they're fundamentally aristocrats. They think only the Kennedys can be involved in a top-down movement. 
Well, you're looking at someone who came bottoms up, an untouchable from India, a working class kid from New Jersey, and I represent those people who want to build a bottoms up movement. So it's your choice. Yes, there is a division. There is a serious division, and we need to separate that group who want to do top down from the people who want to do bottoms up, and to hell with those people who want to do top down. And if you want to support those people, do it all day long because they're going to lead you to a freaking dead end. The opportunity that I'm saying right here is we need to build a bottoms up movement and the bill that I put forward is all those bogus nonsensical things from 1962 need to go away and the solution is we need to hand back power back to you and the healthcare provider because my grandmother and the people that came to her, it was a one-on-one -on -one relationship. Health cannot be centralized. Health must be decentralized. So as an as this talk states, is this, do you believe in the state or do you believe in you? The Kennedys believe in the state. They really do. And they may say all they say, but Bobby Kennedy endorsed Hillary Clinton. Bobby Kennedy endorsed Hillary Clinton. Bobby Kennedy endorsed Hillary Clinton three times, three times, three times. And he just endorsed his stupid nephew, Joe Kennedy. If he had any balls or any real sense of uh, integrity, he would have come and endorsed me. And he doesn't have to. I don't need his help, but it shows to you that he's for blood and he's for money in his Kennedy clan and he's not about integrity. I don't care what he says. His actions speak louder than world words. Let me take some questions from people. Jen, I'm going to put you on speaker. Uh, Jen, if you could uh, text me uh, on my text, uh, I'm here to take questions. Okay. Any questions? Uh oh, the Jersey is coming out. LOL. Okay. That's true. I am a Jersey boy. Uh, you're awesome. I like your daring nature, Dr. Shiva. Okay. Medical establishment needs control. Vaccines projected to bring 60 billion. That's true. Shiva, Shiva are you ever in the Bay Area for talks? Look, um, this is my life. I get up at around four or five in the morning. I run Systems Health. I have to, I actually have to do a real job. I don't take donations. The only thing we're asking if people want to support our campaign, I'm running for U.S. Senate, but even if you support my campaign, I never feel good taking money. Uh, I'm going to actually give you a book. I'm going to give you a bumper sticker. I'm going to give you access to your body, your system. Okay? So everyone out there, if you want to learn how your body is a system, how this works, go support our campaign. But I am leading the act for health rights for digital rights, for citizen science. You'll see on our site, we want to have three major acts. The act that I put forward, that's a bill for real citizens' health rights. We want to make sure that there's digital freedom and we want to make sure there's citizen science. That's what I'm going to be leading. So my campaign is not a campaign just in Massachusetts, it's a national campaign. You've never had a real fighter. The I'm sorry, you've never really had a real fighter. You've had people who act like they're fighters, you know, and always sell you out. You know. The, the, the civil rights movement was sold out because you had people promoting Martin Luther King as though he was a savior. They, uh, and the Kennedys did that. Look, the Kennedys have beautiful photographers. They have a beautiful brand equity, okay? I wear this shirt, this tie. There's no great lighting here, okay? But what you're talking about is we need to build a bottoms-up movement. And, and, that, and the, camp, the Shiva for Senate campaign is a tip of that spear for truth, freedom, and health. So everyone should be supporting our campaign. And when you support us, I'm actually going to educate you. We need to build a powerful movement. And winning in Massachusetts 
which is the center of Kennedy control, which is a center of academic control, which is a center of deep state, which is center of the aristocracy. An untouchable working class kid winning in Massachusetts is going to set off an explosion for all of us. And that's why the Shiva for Senate campaign is a powerful one. But separate from running that campaign, separate from doing these talks, you know, I actually work full time and I have to pay my own way in this world. And I'm actually, the things I do is to actually uh, bring health into the world. So let's take some questions. It says your broadcast keeps acting up. Okay. Any, uh, Jen, can you text any questions, please? That we're getting? Yeah, Jacqueline Gallion said, thank you for discussing that you're doing many of hinted that your intention was to push your own vaccines. Well, thanks, Jackie. You see, the problem is uh, many people who are doing this have never had a real fighter. They've always had people who actually bullshit people and actually in it for the wrong agenda. Just to give you one background on me, in 19, uh, I've been fighting and putting my butt on the line my whole life. In um, uh, 2007, when I got my PhD, I was the only guy when I got my PhD to raise up a huge banner which said US out of Iraq. 10,000 people booed me and the other 10,000 gave me an ovation, okay? I didn't have to do that. When I, I was a guy after I graduated MIT about in 2014 who wrote a series of papers that actually exposed Monsanto. And again, this was brought to you because of Cytosol. And I'll show you this. We actually used this technology. Let me go here and you'll see this in a very profound way, just like this vax anti-vax movement, people were thinking, uh, should you be pro or non-GMO? And using Cytosol, we literally use this technology. In fact, MIT uh, had this big front page article which says buy fresh, buy GMO. So what did I use Cytosol for? Did I use Cytosol to go and make money off genetic engineering? No, I use Cytosol to actually understand the difference between non-GMO and GMO food. And regulatory wise, what we did was we went through, we looked at soy, and we understood all the mechanisms that take place in soy. So, so we literally mined over 6,000 papers, understood the molecular pathways of soy using Cytosol, and, and what happens when you actually do genetic modification. And, what, and, and in that process with Cytosol, we discovered in non-GMO foods, uh, formaldehyde is you know, uh, degraded, but in GMO, formaldehyde is created and glutathione levels drop. And I published this in a series of papers, okay? That's what I did with Cytosol. In fact, we actually showed that if you look here, then we validated it with clinical, uh, with actually greenhouse testing. So here are in silico results predict in organic soy of 9.7 levels of glutathione and in transgenic GMO Monsanto soy of 3.9 and was validated in in vivo. So the point I'm sharing with you is that Cytosol is a very, very powerful tool and uh, uh, I would love if the vaccine manufacturers wanted to use it, but they don't. Uh, nearly all the projects we do with Cytosol today is we're discovering combinations of natural products. And I think my grandmother in heaven would be pretty proud of me. We're actually understanding the alchemy where we're finding products in, in tangerines and products in parsley. When you mix them together, you can have amazing anti-inflammatory properties. We just discovered a set of combinations of herbs that when you put them together can really help alleviate uh, you know, uh, uh, can support brain health. But that's what I'm using. It's, it's the integration of East and West, science and tradition, Asian and modern. So what I want to, sh uh, you know, as we're getting some questions in, 
Hey, Jen, are you listening? Can you send some questions, Jennifer? I'm not sure if Jennifer's there. Jen, are you there? I'm not sure if Jen's there. Uh, but uh, that's what I wanted to... Oh, let me... I think I may have to... Yeah. So uh, what I want to share with you is that we have a huge opportunity when a scientist like me comes in. It's unclear whether I'll ever run for Senate again. And it's a huge opportunity for all of you. My goal is to empower you to stand up on your own two feet. It's time that we let go of the Hollywood, this... this uh, sucking up culture to think that we don't have power. So a lot of the people are so concerned when I attacked Big Bigtree and Bobby Kennedy is because I'm challenging you to stand up on your own two feet and go bottoms up, but you may not be capable of doing that. That's okay. Be top down, believe that others should tell you what to do and believe that you should bow down to others' feet and have the star stack celebrity model. Go for it. It's never gonna lead you anywhere and hasn't. But if you believe in yourself and you believe that you were put on this earth to actually be a human being, to express your own creativity, your own spirit as a human being, then follow the concepts that I'm sharing with you. These are age old concepts about the fact things come bottoms up. Any other questions we have? Let's see. How important is Charles Lieber's research you say. I think it's more, uh, your grandmother must have been a yogini herself. Um, so Lisa Giuliano just sent me a message. Uh, is your system going to push vaccines on a person if it clears if if it clears up that person will not be hurt? I'm looking to support medical freedom. Is this system going to make it away as long as you are a, I'm not sure what she's saying. Uh, can Dr. Shiva make all these papers available so we can read them? like a Dropbox, sure. I'm a super proud Dr. Shivia, my full support. Uh, what else is there? Uh, in Massachusetts with the Community Immunity Act on the table and the global measles mentality, we need to learn about herd immunity and be able to speak with the measles fear. Can you speak on this? Kath Ignani, thanks Lisa. So first of all, you have to understand, as we've shared before, the, the entire 1962 Vaccination Act, when John Kennedy and I, by the way, I have great regard for John Kennedy. He's not like the modern Kennedys. Um, the modern Kennedys are living off and exploiting John Kennedy's name. But John Kennedy was very, very uh, wise. He was very thoughtful. He actually uh, gave a very great talk in 1962 talking uh, about the National Academy of Sciences and telling scientists that the problems of the world are getting far more complicated and we rely on you assuming that you're going to tell us the truth. Well, when it came to the immune system, they didn't share with them the full knowledge because frankly, they didn't understand the full knowledge. But today we have this concept of herd immunity. So this is how you can educate your peers on herd immunity. The entire herd immunity model is based on the notion it comes in many ways from farming. You create a bunch of pigs or animals that are all the same, and you're gonna inject them with the same vaccine, okay? Broadly. Well, the reality is human beings have very different epigenetics and genetics. So let's talk about what the herd immunity concept is. The herd immunity concept goes like this. For a particular vaccine, people have calculated percentages using mathematical models of the number of people in the herd that need to be immunized with a vaccine in order to prevent a section of the herd which is immunocompromised. 
okay? So let me, let me repeat and go into details now. So if you take the herd to be 300 million Americans, and you take by way of example, uh, uh, something like measles, and you assume that one out of 2,000 people in the United States are immunocompromised, okay? Um, so let's say 170,000 people in the United States are immunocompromised. Those people who are, maybe have AIDS, those people who are on blood transfusion, which means they can't even be exposed to you uh, or vaccines, anything. To protect those 170,000 people, we have decided for each vaccine, a set of the herd probabilistically needs to be immunized so they don't come in contact with those 170,000. I hope that's clear. So in the case of measles, we originally thought about 80% of that herd, 240 million people, 80% times 300 million, the quick math is 240 million people need to be immunized to protect the 170,000. Well, that number got changed to 85%, the 90%, the 95%. And part of this is their vaccines, which are to protect people, is not working. So now 95% of people need to be immunized, which means vaccinated in the case of measles, which would be about 285 million people to protect the 170,000, okay? Obviously, we're all compassionate human beings. We care for others. So this is this argument that in order to protect this 170,000 immunocompromised, we need to vaccinate all these others because we as a society collectively, we care for all people. However, in this equation of herd immunity is left out the fact that the people you're injecting, those 95%, may also get injured. They may also suffer some immunocompromising issues as a result of the vaccinations. They may get neuroinflammation in varying degrees, which today the range we call autism. Um, they may suffer other autoimmune disorders. So imagine of the 285 million, which is 95% of 300 million getting vaccinated, that injuries are being created here. What about them? Well, for them, they created the vaccine courts. Well, they can go handle their injury by protecting the vaccine manufacturers. Now, these people have to go through a litigious process to do that. And the notion here that's fundamentally also wrong is as those people get hurt, they're gonna probably form the immunocompromised group. So if this equation works out right, you're gonna have growing number of immunocompromised people, and even to their own model, less people getting vaccinated, and essentially more and more healthier people getting vaccinated. So the simple takeaway is that this entire model is based on assuming, assuming that everyone is cattle, everyone is like a cloned human being, so that everyone's not gonna suffer differential response to that vaccine. This is the problem with that. And the only way to solve it is what I've put forward with you have to take away from 1962 on down, all this crap needs to go away. You can't be tweaking and shit. So all this entire movement is trying to tweak, you know, little pieces of shit around. I'm sorry to say it. We need to demand the fact that health needs to go back the decentralized way. All these laws need to go away and for one singular reason that the science of the immune system when these laws were created is old and that's what everyone needs to take away we cannot be building an entire entire legal and policy structure based on science that's actually old and that's what i can tell you relative to that this needs to be back and forth dialogue uh, for it to be a better scope you're actually right so the bill that I put forward, it is a division. It is a very different approach to over here, you know, negotiating with legislators, 
telling people not to demonstrate to be quiet. This says we need to build a complete movement like a civil rights movement, that these things need to go away and we need to give decentralized power back to people. Let me take another question here. Don't talk to me like that. I'm not sure what they're saying. The doctors need to be re-educated also. That's true. Would you like uh, would you like to know how double blind would like to know how double blind studies have negatively shaped the vaccine industry? Sure. I can talk about that. And then Lisa Giuliano sent another message saying, um, Karina Demerchant, what needs to happen next to push your proposed legislation through? He called uh, in neuroinflammation. Okay, so let me go through each one of these. So let me go back to the double blind studies and I'll answer the questions that are coming. I believe this is Facebook. Um, thanks Lisa for sharing this, by the way, Lisa Giuliano. So um, let's talk about the double blind studies. First of all, of the 30 vaccines that are for children from zero to 18, none of them have had double blind saline placebo control studies. What does that mean? Uh, that's what people wanna know. So the vaccine industry, remember, they were separated out they didn't have to follow the regulatory model I shared with you. Let me go back to this so everyone's clear what I'm talking about. Um, uh, I think I can go back to this. Yeah, let me go back to this. I wanna share with you one graph because my one of my major goals is to educate, 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 because that's how we're gonna win. We need to create more people who understand the actual realities of what's going on. So if you go here, let me go here. Um, if you look at this diagram here, this is fundamentally the process that a pharmaceutical drug needs to go through. And this process, it also, uh, we've optimized by saying we shouldn't kill all these animals, we can do safety better. So it's either this process or what I've proposed with this new process, let me show you here, which is the cytosol process, which is actually to, to really augment safety and, and eliminate the need for animal testing, which is over here. Let me go here, one slide here, there. So the issue is, if, the, if we actually had a regulatory process which actually followed this, then vaccines would be forced into actually going through real safety testing. Right now, they don't need to go through safety testing. Even if they were under the FDA, they would have to go through safety testing. So they didn't have to do double-blind saline placebo-controlled studies. What does that mean? That means if you're gonna test a vaccine, let's say the MMR vaccine, you take 10,000 people, half of them get the vaccine, on the other half do not get the vaccine. In fact, what did those other half get? They get saline. The one uh, of those 30 where they did this kind of testing on the HPV vaccine was a fraudulent test. They took half of those people, gave them the vaccine. The Almost all the other half, they gave them aluminum sulfate. And a small group, they gave saline placebo. So they gave 10,000 people the vaccine, 10,000 people, around 10,000 people close to, uh, the aluminum sulfate and a small around 300 people saline. And then they combined these two results together because the results showed that 2.3% of the people who got the vaccines and the aluminum sulfate both got a certain type of auto-inflammatory response. Um, so they said, oh, they're about the same, but it was a completely bogus study. But if we have this in the process I'm proposing, treat them as a drug, treat them as a pharmaceutical, then they're gonna have to go through regulatory process. Let me look at, uh, what uh, uh, Lisa Giuliano has said here, there's a bunch of questions here. Uh, individual sovereignty is the only way to uh, secure medical freedom along with the Bill of Rights. Do you agree? Definitely. Uh, your proposed bill says decisions should be between the doctor-patient discussions. Why not say solely up to the patient-parent? How do we know that the doctor will now decide that vaccines? Look, 
Uh, great question. We can. What I'm saying is that the doctor and the the healer and the patient should work together to figure out what's right. Part of this is the doctor should also, once we do this and once a mandate is taken from top down, I believe there are actually some very good doctors who went into medicine for the right reason. Many of my friends who are doctors, they say, you know, we're actually slaves to the medical system. So part of this is there are people in them who, who actually became doctors, they themselves have no sovereignty. But those things that you're bringing up, we can, uh, add, amend, etc. But what I'm saying is I'm drawing a clear line here saying tweaking this stuff is nonsense. Let's bring this back to the sovereignty. The, the healer, the doctor, these are recommendations. This does not mean the patient has to follow them. But today, a doctor only says vaccines as the only way to protect your immune system. Well, there are other things a doctor could also learn. Vitamin A, eating right, strengthening your thyroid, strengthening your gut microbiome. The doctor is not in any way free to give that because the sovereign, their sovereignty is also removed. And I think part of this is by doing this bill, this way I believe we can bring doctors on board versus getting them into this pro-vax, anti-vax dialectic. Let's look at this other one. Um, uh, I get your point of view, but I don't think we, we need each one of us uh, in different ways. I don't agree with everything RFK Jr. And I don't agree with everything you are. We need to work. That's fine. I consider myself a rebel, especially when it comes to conventional medicine. When I first got sick, I went to several doctors looking for answers. They all wanted to put me on pills over the counter. I started searching for the root cause and how to still on that journey. No doctor. That's fine. Individual sovereignty is the only way. Totally agree. Let's see. We need all of us and we are all capable of figuring out what is it, what is right for us. Some of us would say is important to me and some of us what RFK is important to me. We want both of you doing what you do best. Definitely. I also believe my health issues started. Um, the fundamental thing that when I brought up RFK Jr., to be clear, you have to have ethics and principles. Hillary Clinton forgot the fact that she violated all sorts of laws putting an email server in her home, which she should be in prison for, has is a pro-vaccine mandate person. Bobby Kennedy, not just voted for her, endorsed her three times, okay? And this is a point I wanna hit home with you. That comes from a top-down model. Actions speak louder than words. Why are you endorsing Hillary Clinton? Why are you endorsing your nephew who is for vaccine mandates? Think about that. His stance is for political reasons. And I'm fighting the same fight. So all of you who want unity, call up Bobby Kennedy and ask him why he's not supporting our Senate campaign in Massachusetts against a pro-vaccine mandate guy. And any of you who are saying, well, Bobby's a, he's a Democrat and he has to do this. Well, there's a serious flaw in your thinking because you're rationalizing a behavior that is completely against any type of rational thinking, okay? Um, Linda Karp, and I think what he's proposing is that if you could choose to have a doctor, then that's your choice. Exactly. Uh, what's your take on viral shedding from those vaccinated with live virus vaccines? Look, you're asking some very important questions. This is why if this was in a framework where they had to go through proper vaccine safety, which is the FDA exists, they would have to do, this would be one of the protocols that their clinical trials would recommend. We don't have that. Why not give the right to choose vaccinate or not to each person? I'm confused at what your computer program will do. Will it make vaccines better? Uh, yes, so 
Uh, this is from Maria Majoroni. Look, you don't have to use the computer program. The computer program was designed for two reasons. The way that we do development, not only vaccines, uh, if you go to Whole Foods, you'll see all these supplements out there. Um, so what's happened is, if you look at the pharmaceutical industry, the pharmaceutical industry has been producing single compounds which produce all sorts of side effects, and all of us became aware of that. So because we didn't want to all be on drugs, we started saying, let me go explore alternative medicines. Let me take eat better, supplements, etc. Well, the supplement field is also filled with a lot of snake oil salesmen. And when I created Cytosolve, it was to understand at the molecular level, what happens if you take someone saying, take this supplement, combination of herbs, it'll roll information versus someone taking ibuprofen. What actually does what they're saying? Cytosolve is really the source of truth to understand at the molecular level what it's doing. What is the toxicity? What is the efficacy? It's in many ways agnostic to that. So the issue is if someone want, right now vaccines have no toxicity, risk safety analysis, and in fact they don't even have to go through the FDA process. My view is before you go killing animals, before you even go testing on human beings and double blind, start using this kind of technology to understand the safety and the, uh, and the efficacy and the toxicity way up front. If you don't want to use it, that's fine. Current teaching of immunology is still based on a wrong foundation. Exactly. Should not that be approached ASAP? Exactly. Merck was caught doing a placebo study, but they poisoned the placebo group and reduced the adjuvant. Oh my God. Um, okay, let me look at what Jackie has. Jackie's saying, uh, okay, here we go. A lot of discussion going on here. So let me start with this one. Uh, 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 I get your point and your view. I, I read that one already. Linda Karp says, your proposed bill says decision should be between the doctor-patient discussions. Why not say solely between the patient and the parent? Uh, we're not saying that... Um, that's a recommendation, but we're saying it should be decentralized. We could even add that provision in. The point is that we should decentralize it back to the individual to make decisions because each person is unique. By the way, please feel free to go up to that page um, and I'll retweet it again and give your recommendations. We want to take all your stuff and keep amending this. This is not top down. This is bottoms up. But the key difference here is that this is bottoms up. We should eliminate all these old Nonsense. Karina Demerchian says, what needs to happen next to push the proposal legislation through? Um, so the first thing that needs to happen is two parts. First is a philosophical understanding, Karina, is that the old model going, people have just been attacking 1986. I'm saying we need to go back to the root of the tree and cut that, pull the root out, which is a 1962 vaccination program itself because it was based on, on an old model. I hope that's clear. We need to go back to the root. That's step one. So the purpose of this bill that I'm proposing is to draw a line in the sand and people to realize that we need to go back to 1962 because the 1962 act was based on today what we know of flawed science. Step one, it's awareness. First we have awareness, then we have change in behavior, uh, and then we actually, first we have behavioral things that we start talking in a different way, and then we have change, A, B, C. Awareness, behavior, and then change. That's how we're gonna move. So we're at the awareness stage right now. Then we need to change our behavior to say, is it gonna be top down or bottoms up? And then we need to start figuring out how we get this bill out there. Well, one of the most important ways is that, Karina, what we're thinking about is as this bill is online, we're gonna have a way that many people can support it online. You can sign your name to it. 
uh, and we want to bring healthcare professionals. We want to make it inclusive. This is what how we build unity. The doctors and the healthcare professionals who've been left out of it to think they have to choose vaccine or non-vaccine. Now we can tell them, look, what we're saying is you. We are encouraging you to explore other alternatives so you can rebuild that trust between the patient and the doctor, or between the healthcare, between the nurse and the patient. Whatever way you want to do, but we want to give the sovereign rights back to the people. Um, let's see. Why not give the right to choose? I already answered that. Okay. Here's another one that's coming in. Uh, they are trying to take away our right to homeopathy and supplements too. You're absolutely right. It's about choice. Research your doctor. If you don't trust their position, find another. It's similar to, exactly, you wouldn't go back to a swapping. This is a very important point. I think Robert Kelsey made this point. Look, the top-down model is Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, some person in government is, thinks they know better, and the whole healthcare debate is total nonsense because it's all always been about Obamacare or not Obamacare. It's not been about health. How do you build health? And the entire issue is, as uh, Robert's bringing out, is that, where did Robert go? Um, is that when it comes to our car, we go to a mechanic, and if that mechanic sucks, we go to another one. So we take care of our car and we make decisions for our car better than we do for ourselves. In the 1970s, when I had my family practitioner, he knew me, he was a 60, 70 year old guy, and he knew everything about me. You pay around 15 bucks out of pocket and he knew you. Now there's a huge movement called DPCs, direct physician care. These doctors are getting out of the insurance system. They're saying, look, just pay me 50 to 70 bucks a month. I only take on 500 patients and I'm always there for you to rebuild that patient healer, doctor, patient relationship. And that's what we're talking about. We need to, people need to decide, do they want to take care of their health or do they want to give it to the state? And that itself is a choice. Some people may want to say, yeah, whatever my doctor says, I'm going to take all the shots. Other people, the doctor may say, look, you can do this, this, and this. I have a friend of mine who's a cardiologist. When a person comes in with heart disease, he says, look, I can give you a stat, or here's a dietary protocol I want you to do. That's what we're talking about. Give people not just the stat, but give people choices. Or let the patient say, look, I want to eat these foods, doctor. If I do that, will that help me? And have that dialogue. Okay, it's 105. Um, Dave Posick says, posts a link that's up there. All right, I hope this was valuable. Um, and uh, thank you very much. And um, um, if anyone has any other things you want me to share, please let me know. But I hope uh, uh, we can have this discourse. But I just want to let you know there is a difference between the bottoms up and the top down. I'll be sharing a video I just did on RT talking about this relative of the coronavirus shortly. We just got a, a version of that uh, from them. But I wish you all a, a very good uh, weekend. And I wish everyone gets behind this bill, the Immune Health and Freedom Act. And we recognize that we cannot be tweaking the garbage of 1962 or 1986. We're never gonna win. We need to have a movement to get rid of that entire 1962 act on down. It's based on an old science. And that old science basically uh, uh, says that one size fit all and that we should be treated as a herd. The new science says one size doesn't fit all, 
The new science tells us that the science that they use is 60 to 150 years old and they're not doing any risk or safety assessment. And so I hope also that if you truly want to build unity, that you recognize that real unity comes from when we understand that the power was from us. That real unity is not going to come out when some people believe that only the liberal Democrats can own this movement. And frankly, I feel personally some of the vituperative and vitriol uh, comes from people who don't like the fact that I'm not running as a Democrat, that I have, you know, I don't pay homage to the Kennedy and Hollywood establishment. And some of it comes from racism. And you need to look at that because you've probably never seen a guy like me, some of you, talking the way I talk in my way and in my language. And that may bother some of you because I talk from a kid from New Jersey, from a kid who grew up with nothing. I'm not going to play your diplomatic way. It doesn't mean I'm not a diplomat. I wouldn't have built my $250 million companies, gotten great clients. You know, I can be a spectrum, but I have a huge distaste for people who do not, who want to live in ignorance and who want to pay homage to the top-down model. We need to build it bottoms up. Anyway, thank you, everyone, and I wish you well uh, to you and your families. Thank you.